0: Good morning everyone. (laughs) It was very loud in our our, uh, headphones this morning. We're on fire already. It's a a very warm welcome to the Sunday Sports Wrap. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the show. I'm Lisa Johns and with me of course are my two favourite co-hosts. Stuart the Dragons won't win another game this year. Maurice, good morning.
1: (laughs) Hello. (laughs)
0: And Hamish, I live and breathe cricket solomons. Good morning. How are you?
2: Oh, I'm well, except for a little bit of a gardening injury yesterday. (laughs) Torrid torrid session in the garden yesterday. I've woken up a little bit sore. It's pretty
0: pretty tough on the body, Uh, gardening. It can be.
2: Yes, I agree. Last time I do that.
0: (laughs) A special good morning to you if you are on your way to the city to surf. Now, if you are just waking up, we have good news for you. Hopefully, that will inspire all you runners out there. Sally Pearson, just an hour and a bit ago, was crowned world champion, winning the women's 100-metre hurdles at the World Championships in London. How good. Well done, Sally. I know. That's a massive effort. A
2: great sporting story, that well,
0: one. She, a massive injury yeah. for her to come back from yeah. with that fracture. Lo- pretty of, horrible fraction.
1: look of surprise on her face when she won yeah. was unbelievable. Pure
0: yeah. joy. Yeah. It was great.
1: She
2: almost <laughs> broke the two hundred meter hurdle record. She just <laughs> kept on going, yeah. didn't she?
0: I thought
1: she wasn't going to stop, <laughs> like um, like that uh, Tom Hanks movie. Yeah,
2: Forrest, Forrest Gump. 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 He just kept running. Yeah.
0: <laughs> stop! <laughs> well done, Sally. Congratulations. It's been a bit of an eclectic week of stories breaking in the world of sport. The Western Force have been chopped.
2: Gone skis. Gone.
0: The World Athletics Championship's been hit with a bout of gastro and people haven't been allowed to run or they've had to run by themselves. Let me give you this. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty crappy for him to have to run by. will
2: be a slippery surface.
0: (laughs) Some of the best in AFL are saying goodbye. And, of course, we farewelled a true legend of Australian sport, I am, of course, talking about the passing of the wonderful Betty Cuthbert. So there's so much to cover this week, so we'd better get stuck into it.
3: A start in the 100 metres, and it's a good start too. It's Betty Cuthbert going there. Great guns in the centre of the front. The nose on the outside is also doing well. And Betty Cuthbert's going to the tape.
1: Way to a good start, it's uh, Cuthbert away well from Stubnik, Kroker, Paul, Cola, and Matthews. 100 minutes to go, it's Cuthbert going very well, second from the left, Stubnik's right there with her. Matthews also doing well on the inside and Paul's going well too. Kola's dropping out of it, they've got about 70 minutes to go and it's Cuthbert coming in but Stubnik's right there with her. It's Cuthbert, Stubnik and Marlene Matthews, Cuthbert's going to win, Cuthbert will go through the tape to win from Stubnik. Matthews in third place and fourth Croker, fifth, Paul, sixth, collar.
0: Well, on Monday morning, news broke that Australia had lost one of the true legends of Australian sport with the passing of golden girl Betty Cuthbert. Born and bred in Sydney, Cuthbert rose to fame when, as a relatively unknown, she took the 1956 Melbourne Olympics by storm, winning both the 100 metres and the 200 metres, and was a member of the gold medal-winning 4x100 metres Coming out of retirement eight years later, she became the first and only athlete, male or female, to complete the set, adding the 400-metre Olympic gold to her keeping at the Tokyo 1964 Olympics. A sad moment, boys. Very sad.
2: Goes down as one of the great Australian Olympians, athletes, whatever you, whatever category you want to put her into. Was, um, and a great was, story.
1: You know, like at the time she ran in that uh, gold medal would have actually got her into the semis in today's um, That's r- races. That's unbelievable. That and really it's, is unbelievable. Yeah. And That's r- absolutely incredible. With the, with the training they did in those days. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, when you consider the technology mm. that is used and, and everything that goes into the professionalism of, of the sport, even though it's considered a amateur event, mm. you know, it's, it really is an amazing career that she had and to Come back from injury and retirement and take out the 400 metres is an extraordinary milestone.
0: Four Olympic gold medals in total, 16 world records. The world record was set in the 4x100 metre relay in Melbourne that she ran in. But interestingly, I heard that at Melbourne, she actually bought her own spectator tickets to the Olympics in case she didn't make the team. <laughs> so, uh, lovely story there that she won. Uh, her twin sister she was a twin, really. Twin sister Marie yeah. and her dad were watching, and her mom was at home listening on the radio. Born in Maryland's, and her family owned a nursery, a garden nursery, and she would, as a kid, kind of practice her running by running up and down the aisle of the of the plants, which was. Um, <laughs> was very nice but as Hamish said suffered a hamstring injury at Rome in the 1960 Olympics and retired she was a devout Christian and felt called to run again and returned to win the 400 at Tokyo completing that tally and that no one else has repeated and uh, finishing off her career we we know that unfortunately she was sadly struck down by multiple sclerosis but uh, with that, became a huge advocate and ambassador for the MS Society, bringing huge amounts of funds and awareness um, to fighting the crippling disease. But for me, who could ever forget that great moment at the Sydney Olympics mm. when alongside Raylene Boyle, Betty was brought into the, with the Olympic flame into the stadium at the opening ceremony as one of the final torchbearers. I kind of relived that the other day. I was, actually, I have her autobiography and uh, I was reading it last night and I was just sitting there a few tears rolling You're down my up now. few tears rolling down my um, face as I, I reread her um, retelling of that moment which was which fantastic in 2012 she was the first and only Australian inducted into the IAAF Hall of Fame where fellow inductee Usain Bolt walked across the room bowed before Betty and said wow you sure could run
2: Oh, wow. Oh Stewie, are you tearing up? Oh His my eyes look watery. Please <laughs> just crying. My voice I is saying, gone.
1: I'm I'm just I go out in um sympathy. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I'm I think I'm doing pretty well actually. <laughs> Throughout the week when I was uh doing a bit of research and, and rereading parts of her autobiography and things like that. I, I'm gonna admit I, there was tears. Yeah. yeah. Great
2: Australian. Ten individual world records.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Ten. To hold world records. That is just phenomenal. She didn't have
1: the Institute of Sport
0: to back her up the training or anything like
1: that. Exactly. Probably ran around in a pair of sand shoes.
0: Not even sand shoes before that, yeah. So she just ran around her suburb Mm. and uh, a Sydney girl.
2: And to be truthful, just the the mere thought of an Australian winning events like that. Yeah. uh, In this day and age, we can't even think about that. Obviously, Sally Pearson is a... The yeah. difference there with, with her winning uh, just yeah, recently. it's a
1: hurdle thing, but normally the, the flat runs are normally by uh,
0: the, like the Africans. Yeah, exactly. Like the blue-ribboned events, they're, they're 100 and 200 metres at the Olympics. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's the one people, they tune into. And, and
2: obviously she had competition in Australia from names such as uh, Strickland and Marlene Matthews. and Yeah. So Australian uh, athletics back in the, the day... Oh, yeah. fire. I think in the fifty six Olympics we did very, very well with, uh, Yeah, we do well in our own yeah, Our own with, Olympics you know, every country does well in their own We fire up. Yeah, hope so. I always like the little stories behind the the big stories and the athletes. So for instance, I'm I'm intrigued by, you know, where they get their coaching from, obviously, and who inspires them. I once had a really good conversation to Brian Booth about, you know, when he came to St. George, who was the one that played a big part? He's he's played such a big part in the careers of so many cricketers, mm. you know, who helped him. And we, he he told me a great story of a, a man that played at the club that we would never have known about. Yeah. So I looked uh, into uh, the story of Betty Cuthbert and her PE teacher <laughs> was her running coach. Oh. But her PE teacher was also an Olympian and won a silver a medal.
0: June Ferguson.
2: Yes. Uh, formerly, before marriage, was uh, June Mar- Marston or Mayston Okay. Uh, so, I mean, to have a PE teacher, and to obviously have the talent, and then to have a PE teacher who was a, a very good athletic coach and had won a silver medal with Australia in a in a 4x100 relay uh, was a part of the story, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, apparently all throughout school she flogged the boys Yeah, (laughs) in all the races. So, um, yeah, obviously pinpointed there by her PE teacher that she actually had a bit of raw talent and was a pretty focused um, person by the sounds of it. I
2: loved watching the footage on on YouTube and there's a lot of it, Mm. just probably adding to how good she was but her running style with the high knees and the mouth, open. mouth
0: open yeah
2: i wonder if she caught any moths <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was unique but i tell you what she she did the job
0: she most certainly did and it was a very sad day to hear of her passing but we celebrate a fantastic career and a fantastic life
4: cheer cheer the red and the white from the sky What though the odds be great or small Swans will go in and win over all While her loyal sons are marching Onward to victory
0: That song could not sound any sweeter Sydney 22, 11, 143 Defeated Fremantle 5, 9, 39 There is no other word for it but it was a good old-fashioned shellacking in front of 39,000 fans.
2: I looked at the score at one stage. It was 50 to 1. Yeah. yeah. the hell's going on
1: there? Yeah. I came home from netball and thought, oh, I'll just watch this before the St George game starts. Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: The <laughs> Swans are up by 75 points at half time. And when Sam Reed kicked a goal in the first minute of the second half, you wondered just how big that score was going to get. Do you enjoy watching blowout games like that?
1: I win your teams win. Yeah. yeah, so do I. But yeah. when I came
0: home, my dad said, No, it was boring. Swan's flogged him. I was like, It's not boring. Like, my team's won by over 100 points. That's yeah. fantastic. There's nothing nothing better than
1: watching your team win by squeals. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, no. I must admit, in, in any sport, if your team's when it also takes the stress out of it. Oh, you know, yeah. if you, yeah. Your team's in those close ones and your palms are sweaty and you can't just you're sitting on the edge of your seat. Sometimes it's nice to watch your sport, just watch relax. your team perform well, Yeah. yeah. So get relaxing, it right.
0: Yeah. Oh. It was great. Well, the Swans didn't. You'd think that the Swans would have taken their foot off the pedal, but they didn't particularly do it. And they, But they still cruised home by a tidy 104 points. Mm-hmm. I was really pleased. Four goals to Buddy. He went equal top of the Coleman medal ladder until, until, until Joe, Dan- no, Joe, Joe Danaher kicked three goals for Essendon against the Crows last night. Still no Josh Kennedy or Sam Naismith for the Swans. It's the first time ever Kennedy has missed two consecutive games through injury, but I suspect that they may have just kept the cotton wool on a little bit longer, expecting an easier game.
4: Mm. Uh,
0: the return of Sam Naismith, and um, he he has to come back into the team, raises the question you asked last week, Hamish. Yeah. Uh, what happens to Tippett? I'm still not convinced by the last two games, that his yeah. form's good enough.
2: That was what I was going to ask. He, 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 was defi- a couple, he, he was
0: definitely better yesterday, yeah. Yeah. but I still think he needs to go up one more level just to ensure that his presence is there.
2: <clears throat> Maybe he's building.
0: He could be building. He could be building. It was um, a, a solid effort across the board yesterday. I think so. there be a
2: few few clubs interested if he's if he's not getting a game.
0: Yeah. I don't, yeah. I think his form's dropped off. hes I don't think his form has ever been as good at the Swans as it was at Adelaide. Yeah. But, yeah, you, you could be right. I'm not sure if the Swans will be keen to let him go, but we will watch this space. But for me, the Swans kind of finds this season out of necessity more than anything with the horror injury toll at start of the season have been nothing but gold for the club. There's there's always a silver lining when you go over 6 I think. Players like Lewis Mellican, Will Haywood, Nick Newman, although he picked up an injury yesterday, and Ollie Florent, he, he didn't play yesterday. But those fines have been massive. And I think I think the club will be uh, sitting back grinning at their future if they can keep them all at the club in the coming years. They are fantastic. Absolutely. They've been brilliant. And, and the more that the, the team shine together... The more they shine as individuals.
2: Come so. on, Stewie. Where'd they go wrong?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm just looking at the ladder at the moment, just yeah. trying to work it out. If they even if they lose against Adelaide and Carlton, they'll still make the eight. Right. So it's all over, Stewie. Yeah, it's all over <laughs> for Stewie in
2: his $200 bet with Lisa. <laughs> so top four-wise, though. Talk me yeah. through it. Are, are, are they a chance? almost said, no. are we a chance? No. I well, forgot that I was St Kilda
1: fan. we only one win out of it and Richmond's in front oh. of them and Richmond always fall over and go boom. I'm, I well,
0: don't they fell
2: th- over last night. Yeah.
0: I, I don't see. think so. Um, our true what, test... You bet $200? No. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, our true test, possibly Double or actually... Nothing. Double or nothing. Let me just think about that one. <laughs> the true test of the Swans form is going to come next week. Toughest away game against ladder leaders Adelaide at mm. Adelaide next Friday night. I yeah, I don't think the Swans can make the top four. I think with Geelong winning yesterday over Richmond. Yeah, yeah well, I, Richmond have got three medals and St. Kilda again. Well that's right. So I'm penciling them in for two wins there. Yeah. Sorry, Saints.
2: But like I said, um their form lately has been quite unbelievable. They've only dropped what, one or two uh, two games in as many as 12 or 11 games. Richmond or Swans? Swans. Right, yeah.
1: yes.
0: Oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah.
2: Hawthorne always get them. So I guess aside from Adelaide, they've got to be still up there as maybe a Premiership favourite.
0: Oh, oh. yeah, it's tough. Oh. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. Like the teams in form, I would say, yeah, Adelaide have definitely been the benchmark this, this season, and Sydney have really found some form. And they had a day out in the sun yesterday. GWS, I think, are are really hitting their straps at the right time. They, too, have been ravaged by injury. And they've got players like Jeremy Jeremy Cameron still sitting on the sideline. He's about two weeks away, I believe. Mm. Um, So adding him in.
2: Something a little extra to play for. Is Johnson going to be
0: hanging out? Stevie J. Yeah. Well, this might shock you guys, but our usual listeners, we're going to branch out a little bit now, and we're not just going to talk about the (laughs) Swans. We're hurdling towards September, so the top eight is taking shape, as you said. Uh, the match review panel is going to be working overtime, largely in part thanks to GWS. And the list of retirees is getting longer by the week.
2: It's been a huge
0: week. Jobe Watson from Essendon and Stevie J, Steve Johnson from GWS, a former Geelong player, both announced their retirement this week, which was added to Luke Hodge from Hawthorne, Nick Rewalt from St Kilda, Sam Mitchell from West Coast former Hawthorne, where he was more synonymous. Uh, Job and Steve uh, Johnson said, that's five big names. Oh there's God. questions about Bob Murphy from Western Bulldogs. Even Jared McVeigh from the Swans is um, oh, without buddy, a contract. but buddy. he's not retiring. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> yes, he is. Leave, leave my Buddy some alone. Some
2: new lucrative retirement fund
0: has <laughs> started, They're like
2: jumping at it.
0: What's interesting is... Three of these players, and these aren't these aren't just your average Joe players, <laughs> Luke Hodge, Sam Mitchell and Steve Johnson, all came out of the 2001 draft. So right. it's being referred to as the Super Draft. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> well, Stevie J
2: had an amazing career at Geelong, didn't he? Oh,
0: he did. And uh, it looked like his career was going to be over, but the Gi- Giants threw him a lifeline. And hasn't he? He's played you know, pretty well up he, there. He does look like he's carrying a bit of weight, though. I think he's always looked like that.
1: He's, he's, I didn't know it was just the jump that made him look nah, like
0: that. No, he's always been a bit top-heavy, I guess. You could see, he looks like he's got a big chest, yeah. Stevie J's, got the stomach <laughs> Stevie J's played 289 games, mostly 253 of those were for Geelong. Picked up three premierships with Geelong and three All-Australian nomin- um, nominations. The Norm Smith medal in 2007. Job Smith won the um, – Job Smith, who's that? I don't know. Joe Watson won the 2012 Brownlow medal, but we all know what happened to that, unfortunately. Dun, dun. Uh Played 217 games so far over 15 years. He's captain of Essendon from 2010 to 2015 and won their club's best and fairest three times and twice in All-Australian. Joe Watson's a funny one, I think, with the the cloud that was over the later part of his year. I, I think still that he's going to be held in high regard. Oh, absolutely. The way he handled that and was quite humble. There was no big fight when they told him he had to hand his brownlow back. There was no disrespect or anything like that. I think that he can still hold his head high with what he's achieved and the way he's carried himself. Yeah, if I, if I
2: recollect the uh the two guys won the brownlow that
0: Yes. Did they tie for it. Yeah, one was Sam Mitchell, who's yeah. retiring, and yeah. I, I knew I should have looked this up because yeah. off the top of my head, I can't remember who the other one was.
2: Yeah, but I think they both paid tribute to Joe. What? Uh,
0: <laughs> Joe Watson.
1: Joe can... Watson.
2: I was about to say Joe Watson. You confused oh, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I did. Joe Smith. Well, actually, did I read during the week they're talking about letting James Hurd uh, hand over the Norm Smith Medal?
0: They uh, they offered it to him, and he's accepted yes so at the grand final best the best is fairest pipe? on the ground yeah it could yeah. be the peace pipe will be handed over by James heard
1: heard mentality <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah,
2: heard it through the grapevine.
1: I <laughs> <dun>, <laughs> yeah.
2: still can't comprehend how I'm talking so much about AFL.
0: Well, let's let's keep talking a little bit about so, AFL because the the games over the weekend. Have you? Did you kind of glance at any of them?
2: I, I just saw Adelaide giving whoever an absolute shellacking.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, Adelaide tend to do that to yeah. most of their I've opponents. Had a little flick at a number of games, just yeah. catching
1: little bits and pieces well, of them.
0: Richmond had their colours lowered yesterday by Geelong. Richmond had been in red-hot form, and granted it was played at Cadinia Park, but it was big effort for Geelong. They had Joel Selwood out. He went off and had surgery for a syndesmosis injury earlier in the week that he picked up against the Swans.
1: It's a wrinkle.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Tommy Hawkins was suspended following a few loose fists against <laughs> Dane Rampey <laughs> last week. So, as well as um, Duncan, he was also out for that strike on Tom Papley. So it was a big effort for Geelong. I would have Absolutely. pencilled Richmond in there for that win, but um, I'm a, Cats won that I'm, one.
2: I'm kicking myself because I actually tipped Richmond and I looked at Geelong and I thought I want to tip them, but then yeah. going back to, was it last week? Yeah, With the, the injuries and they lost against the Swans, and I thought, oh, the injuries will play a part here. And yeah. I went Richmond and then I saw the score and I went, no. go with your gut, go yeah. with your gut. Go with your gut. I've been working on my guts too. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, so I was watched a little bit of the Carlton game too last night. I, yeah. I turned over it was seventy three seventy, and uh, I seen uh, Renee Farrell was come on, blues, come on the Blues, come on the Blues. I said yeah, I said wait till the Swans get hold of him in the uh, last game. Of <laughs> that's Fez. right, that's yeah, like the last time they played him. Did I see a tweet
2: from <laughs> Fez in England? Is she in overseas at the moment or something?
0: Uh, is she playing in the Kia Super League? Must be. She is. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, GWS. Yeah, they had a dominant game on on Friday night. They put um, some good runs on the board against the Western Bulldogs. But I guess the talking point, unfortunately, is not the quality play by the Giants. You know, they're big men. Jonathan Patton, he had a fantastic game. Instead, we're going to be talking about Toby the Grub Green. Did you see did you see the... I missed the incident, okay. but then again,
1: but he's he's been involved in an incident just about every week. Is everywhere. that the boot in the
0: face? That's the boot in the face. He's been reported Ooh. for rough conduct when his boots struck his opponent square in the face. Yeah. Although Intentional? Mm, I don't think so. Mm. I'm not really... A, well, I'm definitely not a, a Toby Green fan. He's quite polarising, and I think he's trying to win a competition for the most suspended player. But I think this might be, if he gets suspended, I think it might be a case of rep- reputation preceding the player. Mm. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the MRP come up with tomorrow morning when they put out all their notices of who's.
2: There was another, another in bloke trouble. that copped a, a boot in the face from someone that was actually on the ground. I thought that was pretty accidental. Yeah.
0: He, like, they tend to be pretty accidental. with yeah. Toby Green, you're just never sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, He he always plays right on that line of aggressive versus... I thought
2: one of the most exciting aspects about AFL is obviously when they leap up, mm. knees to the back of the knees opponent the and take those and standing sensational on their moments. Way think about it, quite a dangerous move.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised there's not more kidney injuries yeah. with the number yeah, of knees that go... Or breaking your neck as you're yeah. coming down, landing As you're first. coming down, yeah. 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 It's a pretty spectacular sport when you think about it. Well, not only did the Gold Coast Suns lose their coach with the accident of Rodney Rocket E during the week, but they also, they also lost big time against the Cellar Dwellers. The bottom of the ladder, Brisbane Lions, absolutely flogged them yesterday... Despite luring arguably one of the best players of all time to the Sunshine Strip in Gary Ablett Jr., the Suns never really realised their full potential. I think they're going to be going through the big R again, the big rebuild. Mm. It seems like they do it every season. I can't, I can't see them ever being competitive at the moment. They're a bit yes. like
2: the Titans, aren't they? Yeah, I it guess,
0: n- what's wrong with the Gold Coast or the Sunshine think, is that a lifestyle? Party
1: time? Yeah. Well, the
0: women won. Sunshine Coast Lightning. Shh, don't mm-hmm. ne- don't clap my argument with facts. Okay, so the men's blokes, the men, the men's yeah. blokes, yeah. the men have the parties, and the women yeah, work the hard. Yeah, the women work hard. All you know. oh, right.
1: That's well, what the blokes are probably chasing the girls, and they get so tired. <laughs> okay. And the girls are just running away from them.
0: Righto. He's chasing the meat well, You me got to
2: look good on the Gold Coast, don't you? So the girls are, you know, they're looking good, they're doing their fitness and stuff like that, making them play better. And the boys, the boys are, the girls are looking so good. The boys are chasing them, and yep, there's our theory. Yep. You've heard it first <laughs> on the Sunday sports rap. Yep.
0: Oh golly! Well, we are at the pointy <laughs> end of the season. There's uh, only two games, two rounds to go, and uh, it looks like Stew. You better get ready to cough up two hundred uh, big ones. Uh,
1: it's it's a foregone conclusion. They it's can't they skills. can't not make it. Really? If they if they lose two games, and the other teams below them win. It'll still, they'll still end up uh, getting their own oh, I'd say, yeah, I'd say seven to
0: eight in on the, on the top eight have pretty yeah. much decided. Lisa's
2: trying to make it interesting. There's still, a little bit of a log
0: jam mate, split by You percentage. have
2: won this bet fair oh, and I square. I still can't work out how. <laughs> I know. How can you lose your first Six, six. games.
0: What by creating history? That's how you I do know. it. I
2: know it's amazing. It's really great, great achievement. I'm going to so, go. Well done, Swans. I'm going to go
0: through our um our podcasts and yeah. find the moment where I say the Swans will win, win the eight, and you two laughed, and we're going to play it next Stuart, week. Stewie didn't <laughs> record that one. <laughs> Probably <laughs> on conveniently. conveniently.
1: So the only thing left for me now is to have a GWS and Swans grand final to really stick it up the Melbourne people. That would be good, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: it would be great. Can mm. you imagine that? Yeah. Would, I reckon it'd be easier well, to get been, tickets to that. There have been <laughs>
2: quite a few finals in recent times that have lacked a Melbourne team in the final. Yeah, haven't but
1: they? they hate Sydney teams. Yeah. They mm. hate them. Well, yeah. You know, as we hate Melbourne teams. That's right. Like as, in the NRL. As,
0: as we hate, yeah, well, that's right. Queensland teams yeah. in the NRL.
2: Well, as we know, we still have a, a few people around that call the Swan South Melbourne.
0: That's all right. That's their heritage. Trouble. That's where they came from. Yeah,
2: Triple tra- Weeding. <laughs> the South Melbourne
0: much. Football Club. I'm happy to call them that. I'm, I would recognise their past.
2: Well, there's still a lot of support down there for them, there, isn't there? There
0: is. And when I went to that Hawks game, I was genuinely surprised. There are a lot of supporters still down there. There's a lot of red and white at that game. Well, there's, there's a lot emotional. of
1: Newtown supporters yeah. still about to in the That's rugby right. Mm.
0: I like that. Hanging on to the, the glory days. Well, with three rounds to go in the NRL, things are definitely taking shape. But kicking us off on Thursday night, wasn't a very happy night for the Bulldogs. The Rabbitohs, 28, defeated the Bulldogs, 14. Yeah. Poor crowd, oh, again.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we Thursday night, Friday night, 6 o'clock. Just, I just, just
0: don't get it. Yeah. Anyway.
1: And you go to these stupid great big grounds like Twitter and Facebook, we're just alive with people bagging it.
0: I'm all for bringing these games back to the suburbs. Oh, I still don't all understand
1: why you don't. They've got to give up the idea of getting, you know, 50 or 60,000. They're not going to get it's it. It's not going to happen. Yeah.
0: AFL it might. <laughs> yeah, we get 30,000 at Swan's We game. got 39,000 yesterday. Yeah. NRL would dream, would just love to have that. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So move it back to your suburban grounds and build that atmosphere back up. Get your locals, get that culture back and get the excitement back for the games. But no. But if no.
2: both teams were performing well and up the ladder?
0: Possibly. You
2: would have had yeah. a...
1: But the thing, it's, it's all the idea, like ANZ Stadium pays clubs to come there. Yeah. And so they go there. Yeah.
2: I'm pretty sure that... <sighs> They probably expected the dogs to be performing a, a lot better than they did when they were—is it five games in a row or four games a row yeah, they've or, had on a Thursday night? That's what Channel Nine have obviously yeah.
1: thought that, that was going to happen and scheduled them all in for those Thursday f- games. And, and as a and as
2: a dog supporter, everyone's just fed up.
4: Yeah.
2: You have to just have a little bit of a. Do you even read watch it or, now? I do. I still watch it because you know you still have to support your team. Yeah. As much as we're all bagging that team at the moment, you're still watching hope, especially games against St. George because St. George always seemed to play the Bulldogs into some sort of form. And I think <laughs> that's going to be interesting last round. Oh, yeah. St. George playing for a
1: semi-final spot. Well, actually, the semi-final uh... spot will go next week when they get beat by the Broncos. It's
0: going to be a tough <laughs> game. But let's talk about the Rabbits yeah. and the Bulldogs. Yeah. Anything coming out of that game, Look, boys? Look,
1: I'll tell you what.
2: We talk. We continually talk about the Bulldogs and how bad they are. I think we got to give a bit of credit to South Sydney. Yep. I reckon they've been pretty good. They just there's a lot of new players and a guy straight out of high school still yeah. playing, and they're bringing along these guys. And you know they've had a, a couple of good solid wins against some arch rivals. And so, well done to South. They've been playing some reasonably good football there.
1: Yeah. Well, they came out firing, uh, that uh, Cook, they finally started to, to start him as hooker instead of Farrah. Mm. The pace off the mark around the ruck's just unbelievable, and he was just carving up the dogs there early. Uh, South went off to an early lead at 6-0 and just kept applying pressure, uh, probably unlucky not to score shortly after, but Crichton, Crichton just tore through and...
0: Fired. How good is Angus Crichton? Oh, They've right. got to be sharks circling for his next contract. Yeah.
1: He had a... He had a Bit of a bad bad night with his hands passing wise. Mm. It uh, said that he just crashed through. He had Cook unmarked, and the pass went never went anywhere near him. <laughs> <laughs> He's still young. He's still. I, young.
2: <laughs> I tell you what, I was a bit surprised they started him off the bench. I mean, it yeah, it's just a bit different. of a. Um,
1: hard runner, so he's, when you're out there, just when people are starting to get a bit tired, defence mm. yeah. getting tired.
0: Well, I guess, you know, if...
2: Impact player.
0: It's the end of the season, and if you've got no finals, hopes and aspirations to play for this, when you try a few different combinations, roll the dice a little bit.
1: Yeah. 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 I thought uh, the dogs the Dogs looked in it for a little while, but once Reynolds got injured, it was all over.
2: Yeah, well, once Reynolds got interested, and in talk about the spine of a footy team, we're relying on him by hooker, not his natural spot. Centre at halfback in Chase Stanley and uh, Frawley, who you know is hasn't quite uh, established himself as a first grader, so therein lies part of the problems. You've got Hoppawati, who's a great footballer. Can you believe that he hasn't scored, he a, try hasn't scored a try this season? He's yeah. wow. not scored a try this season She's at got fullback. A nudie run coming up. Nudie run coming how, up. How
0: many fullbacks would you see there wouldn't at be one the end other, of a season doing? Nudie there wouldn't run. be
2: one other who hasn't scored ten tries this season. <laughs> that's how how well wow. they're tracking the dogs. Yeah, not just, even, that's a big. Not even one of our greats, Luke Patton, can get us a try from the bunker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's um, a big start, isn't it? When your fullback hasn't scored a try, oh, and, and wow. you know
2: you and you know you're doing well when you're fourteen nil down and you go for a goal kick <laughs> a penalty goal.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I suppose they really had no no choice there. They they can't score tries anyway, so the, the chance of them scoring off one tackle. Well,
2: that's how sad it is yeah. when you we realise we can't score a try, yeah. we've but got they, nothing in that. They, they did come out
1: and score first in the second half, and but then you know they dropped the ball off the kickoff, and South scored. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Adam Reynolds uh, stepped up again this week at a yeah. half back for South. He's so hot and cold, I just wish he'd he's really hot interesting word at the moment
2: for me. Sam Burgess. A lot quieter the, both, than usual.
1: Well, both Burgess boys, or three Burgess boys, all played well last the night. The other, Thursday I, I think, the
2: other two are fired up a bit. I think they copped yeah. a bit of flack.
1: Yeah. They're making huge ground up the middle there early.
2: Looking at Sam's statistics, which usually yeah. leads the way, a little bit quieter than usual.
0: He hasn't been the same Sam that no. this season. I don't think that we've seen in past seasons. I mean, ever since he went back to England to play rugby, yeah, he hasn't been the same the player. Yeah, the other
2: point might be like Sam don't go so hard this season. Is kind Mm. of gone for us. I guess so. Um, Let's just save it for for next season. Let's try and see if we can utilise some of the younger players and and get them to find their feet rather than you doing so much of the work.
0: Mm. Well, speaking of young players finding their feet and looking forward to next season, the Knights, 29, defeated the Eels 10. What a brilliant result. Yeah,
1: Yeah, they really just thrown thrown themselves into it. Yeah. As I've always said, there's no team so hard to boot as one with nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. And they're really playing good footy. I thought they'd struggle a bit without the Ross Dog. Yeah. Because uh, he does tend to do a lot of their attacking. But uh, Hodgkinson that has promise. stepped up. Brock Lamb has stepped up. Mm. Yeah. And they're playing some really good
0: footy. There must be a few nervous teams coming up against the Knights in the next three rounds, you yeah, well, think. Yeah,
2: you can't take them lightly anymore. No. Nope. Brock Lamb, you know, he's playing his debut season, and I suppose guys like that are just going to get better and better. And I guess that's part of the reason why...
0: He's a quick learner. Yeah. He, he didn't start terribly well. Yep. Uh, the last two games, they've been absolutely top shelf.
2: Now, yeah. was it the Knights playing exceptionally well or Para having a shocker?
0: I, I think it was a bit of both. Yeah. There was mistake after yeah. mistake after mistake yeah. from the Eels. Yeah, I think the
1: Eels were sort of... The semis are coming up, we're just going to play you know, yeah. a, a good... Standard footy And not get too you know, Try not to be too flashy But I think There's a huge Turning point in the game There <laughs> Where uh, Ken CIO Take yeah, the ball up Got tackled He was laying on the ground Very very, very contentious and, yeah. well, like It, was, it wasn't was contentious It was yeah. should have been a penalty Yeah yeah And yeah. The, the referee's going on About oh the ball didn't touch the ground <laughs> It doesn't need to He yeah. was lying on
0: the ground For yeah. quite a while
1: Yeah It was just a, a Very very poor ruling And that's turned the game Yeah uh, From that stage It was like eight point Turned it to Fourteen point lead. And yeah,
0: that was the final nail in the yeah. coffin. It was I actually think.
2: refreshing, though, for a coach to to go past that and not bag the referees and actually just say that we had a bad game.
1: Yeah,
0: well, they did have a bad Sort game.
2: of claimed um, responsibility there for his team and going
0: into that game. Eels were six wins from mm. six and. I think, um, look, I'm stoked. I know the Knights got a little bit of help, but I'm stoked that they won. But having said that, I think it was a positive for the Eels. I think it was a massive kick up the bum for their complacency. I think they possibly absolutely, took it too lightly.
2: Absolutely, in my experience of watching and loving the game of rugby league, there is absolutely nothing wrong with losing a few games at this stage of the season.
4: Yeah.
0: Oh, if you're well entrenched in the top eight, yeah. yep, sure.
2: Sharks lost, I think, three.
0: Yeah, I don't think uh, it around looks Around this time Mesharki. last
2: year before going on to win the premiership. So, mm. yeah, I think, you know, just reminds the players back to training, keep working hard, mm. don't get complacent.
0: That's right.
2: Nothing's a done deal.
0: Well, speaking of the Sharks, nice segue there, Ham. Thanks. Broncos 32, defeated the Sharks 10, Gal's 300th game. He's the only, um, the only other Shark to play 300 games for um, them is uh, Andrew Eddinghausen. Can I just say something? And Gallen had a shocker.
2: He looks like he's played 500
0: games. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He's got a face mother, only a mother oh. could love.
2: Oh, jeez.
0: <laughs> but he had an absolute Barry
2: wasn't, Crocker. Wasn't a night And <laughs> out of all guys to play a 300th game, had to be him in Queensland. Yeah. They love where him. He was on hiding to nothing. He was oh, getting I don't know
0: what you're talking <laughs> about. They were all out the red carpet every time he comes oh, up there. Oh, my then. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't a great game and not good signs for the sharks.
2: Well, at least they lost one away from home for a change.
0: Yeah.
1: Maloney, he he
0: gave away something like 10
1: penalties in that game.
0: Oh, he also gave he also missed about 10 tackles as well. He had a
1: shocker, and, but and actually there was
0: a try there like he held um, held a player back.
1: Like there was a penalty try last night's game. I know, hallelujah. And that sh- probably should have been one as well.
2: He had a shocker, but is he allowed to can we forgive him for being a little bit rusty? First game back after a few yeah, weeks. He's still, off.
1: He's, that's been his big thing. He's been giving yeah. away a lot of penalties. Yeah. it's silly, silly play, and it's it's costing the team a bit of momentum. Yeah. I
0: think personally, I think it was silly they played him. Yeah. I think they possibly brought him back too early. Apparently, he he had surgery on his hand. He's got um, a steel plate in his hand now. Apparently, that hand was still swollen when oh, he really? when he went out onto the field. They've lost, and they've lost pretty ugly. Against the Broncos, was it worth it? Should you know, perhaps they could have just rolled oh, the dice, taken their medicine. I suppose we've
2: burnt out, uh, um, and things probably getting a little bit desperate
1: yeah, there. I oh, want to no. try and get into that top four. Well, they're yep. still
0: hanging on to fourth position on the ladder, mind yeah. you. Let's just.
2: not let's not take anything away from the Broncos at the yeah, moment. True. Holy moly!
1: Yeah, ben, ben Hunt Milford. What you know, about Nickarima? Their, Nickarima
2: what, yeah. what about their eighty thousand dollar man, Moga?
1: Yeah. went in
2: for a couple of tries.
0: I can't believe they'd let him go to, yeah. to bring Bird up there. How how good must the Knights well, be feeling watching him play? i yeah. tell you what. And Herman SAS. I'll tell you S-A. what,
2: they, uh, in hindsight, do you think they would have made a different decision? Oh, I yeah. think so.
0: For sure. Absolutely. You'd
1: keep him, you'd keep
2: him for sure. He's a, I'd have him in my team. It's just going from strength to strength. Yeah, he's
1: just so big and he's fast. It's like It really takes a, a mountain of people to t- bring him down.
2: And then there was the the Cowboys who let him go.
0: Yeah. Well, the Broncos are definitely in red-hot form. I think we'd mentioned it last week. We kind of penciled them and the storm in for the grand final and going off Friday night's performance, it's hard to see what's going to stop them from being there in that final weekend well, We're in talking September. about
2: finals being away with no Melbourne teams. Well, <laughs> there could well be a yeah. NRL grand final without a Sydney team yeah. and wouldn't. The towns of Melbourne and Brisbane absolutely love that.
1: Well, there's already been one. Yeah. Cowboys and the Bris- and the Broncos. Mm. Yeah,
0: that's all right. All the Rabbitoh supporters with their tickets that they bought months ago, they'll be there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll be trying to sell them on eBay. <laughs> <Dragon>.
0: <laughs> you are listening to the Sunday Sports Wrap, and it's the NRL Round Wrap Up. Stu, we are up to the Dragons and the Titans. I'm just going to give you the floor. <laughs> yeah. hang, on, hang on, before I give it to you. I quote, the Dragons will not win another game, and end quote Stuart Maurice last week.
1: Well, based on the form the last couple of weeks, you wouldn't have <laughs> think they could beat anything.
0: Oh. But they, like,
1: Frizzell decided to go out there and really have a lash. Mm. They got rid of McCrone, thank God. They put young man into the... Kurt uh,
0: Man had a great game. In the halfback. Very good
1: Absolutely player. Absolutely destroyed the, the Titans, uh, him and Widdup. Uh, Joel Thompson played well. Yeah, the team just started to play like they did earlier in the season. I don't know, yeah, where, that, I don't know where the form goes. <laughs>
0: well, but again, they found it again. It was exciting. But then again, you know, they
1: get away to a, was a 28-0 lead. And next thing you know, it's 28-16. Uh, here you go again. The nails start getting bitten. <laughs> They're dropping the ball. The Titans are tearing through them. Luckily, they've managed to, uh, to get themselves back into the game again and mm. back on track. A bit complacent in the second half? They just can't finish games. They can't play 80 minutes. Yeah, any other team, they probably would have got rolled again. The uh, the Titans had their head down; they weren't. Yeah, you know, they're just looking for. uh
2: are a lot of talk about Jared Hayne and mm. Neil Henry, and a apparently lot. Neil Henry didn't talk to him during the week. Apparently, apparently Hayne that situation, and Hayne left
1: the the ground in a in a moon boot, played it out. So I, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of problems up there at the moment. It seems, to yeah. seems to be a lot huge amount of problems. Seems to be something on the Gold Coast that just falls apart all the time.
0: Well, look out, North Sydney Bears. That's where they're trying to get back into the (laughs) NRL.
1: Another worrying thing for me was uh, Widdup failing to find touch with a penalty kick for the second week in a row. Come back to bite him on the backside last week. You
0: know, widdup has been carrying the team quite a bit, Hmm. and for him not to have such a great game, and for players like Kurt Mansuri and Joel Thompson and the like to stand up and take good form through the game, I I was... Happy.
2: I think Widdup's form is probably one of the reasons why they're there or thereabouts. That's right. He's yeah. had a, a so much, much th- improved season on last year. Yeah, I'll I think allow him good. to have a quieter
0: game. Mm. I'll allow it once. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, numbers oh, r- his
2: numbers were actually, if you look at his numbers yesterday's game, are actually pretty good.
1: Mm. Mm. Oh, he, look, he played well. Just, just little things. Little errors. Happens here. Like yeah. The Titans did get back into the game. They scored two tries in five minutes. And yeah. They looked like they could mm. really get back into this. And uh, another one of these penalties, again, McGuinness picked the ball up on the fifth tackle. Yeah. It was a Titans bloke laying on the ground, trying to get out of the way. McGuinness just looked at him and threw the ball deliberately into him and got a penalty. Yep. And that, uh, St George scored from that. It's put, a put it away. It's just, I just can't believe the stupidity of the, pen, of the uh, referees at the moment. They have no feel for the game whatsoever. Mm. And they allow players, and it's happening, they're doing it, like every game is happening. Players deliberately throwing in and pretending to fall over. Now, players can't disappear. They've made a good leagues tackle. They're laying on the ground. They're trying to stay out of the play. Yep. And the attacking players deliberately throw the ball into them or <laughs> deliberately trip over them to get a penalty. Uh,
2: uh. I saw something quite funny the other day about the refs. Do you know who scored, uh, who's uh, ref the most NRL games?
1: Uh, I thought Harrigan would have.
2: Harrigan, I think, is over 350. The second most, they had Cameron Smith, (laughs) 352.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of Cameron Smith, he gave it a red-hot crack to manage the referees against the Roosters last night. The storm prevailed 16-13 in the the top-of-the-table clash. Rainy conditions, but a good game.
1: An interesting one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A penalty try was awarded, finally. And...
1: And should have been awarded as well. Yeah. There was a stat- and the crowd. So they celebrated. got one
2: right. Well, I was a bunker got, got that
0: one it right? It surprised me. The,
1: the commentators on Nine and Fox Sport keep going on saying the referee has to be a hundred percent sure he's going to score. Yeah. You cannot ever be hundred percent mm. sure. And I, I said it's to impossible. the Fox Sports people, yeah. I tweeted in, into them that say and quoted the, the rules says, in the opinion of the referee, a try would have been scored. Yeah. and mm. that's all it says. And they actually put that up at the halftime break. (laughs) And and Brandy's gone, I still think he might have dropped it, though. Mm. I said, but uh, he he said, how can you be sure he was going to pick it up and score? You can't can't be sure. Yeah, it's just possible. Can't be sure uh, of anything. uh, And that's what happens at the moment. The players are just tackling them to give a penalty away. Hmm. And they've got to start giving more of these penalty tries.
0: Well, well, points to the referee for, yeah. for sending it up to the bunker and as, saying as a penalty, as a penalty, because penalty try. Because if he hadn't
1: sent it up as a penalty That's try, right. the bunker would have um, That's chickened right. out.
0: Yeah, pretty rainy conditions down there in Melbourne. And the referee turned a little bit pear-shaped after that and there was a bit of ugly play between the players. The game somewhat descended into a bit of chaos at one point. i tell you
2: who had a really, really interesting game. Vini Valu. Yeah, yeah. He, what happened? He, well, then? he was involved in the penalty try.
0: He was.
2: <laughs> then he went, Whoa. caught a ball between his legs, and jumped in the air. It was like the leap of faith, which can only be considered a very, very dangerous manoeuvre. I don't know what he was thinking there.
0: That was a massive brain. Explosion. And then he,
2: then Latrell Mitchell put on a, an out-and-out shoulder charge. Mm. He's going to find himself in a spot of bother with that one. That was, yeah. But I think there's a, a number charge. of players
0: coming out of this game. And Old Vunivalu
2: was the first man in, and. Got into a little Donny Brook, so he had a very interesting game.
0: Uh, it was crazy play. He, I, I guess he was trying to leap over the the, the defenders. Yeah, well, he probably one could one of, with a first,
1: few- one of the first things you get taught when you play rugby league is don't jump a tackle. Yeah, because people just take your legs out from under you. Maybe your leg it was there.
0: the adrenaline of catching the ball between his ankles. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows? It's a strange move. What- I haven't seen anything like that. In footy. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. The
0: thing no. that I, I can only remember of people lifting their knees yeah. is um, Piggy Riddell, I think he used to it. Or Jason Riles. Yeah. Jason yeah. Riles, but sorry. That's one knee. Yeah, a lot he of, yeah, of forwards
2: have, so, have yeah, done he was, that. He was,
1: a, he was a thug anyway. He used to but go this guy
2: leaped yeah. both legs in the air. That and was if crazy. he had taken out a Roosters player, he would have been insane. Serious trouble.
0: Yeah,
2: oh. I still think he might be in a little bit of trouble. Oh, I think oh, he, yeah, I, I think,
0: think so, he's yeah. in trouble. He did miss. He kind of yeah. jumped between them and didn't make too heavy contact with the players. But yeah, I think he's in trouble. The Roosters snuck ahead with seven minutes to go, but a brain explosion on the other side of the field from Ferguson, who who's made a Lazarus sized comeback. From <laughs> from this shoulder injury, yeah. where tell you it what, looked like he, he was carrying every... on a bit, wasn't
2: he? Considering he played
1: like, yeah. on, he well, he figured like he... he was going to get a penalty. He didn't realise yeah. you can't penalise in that instance.
0: He looked yeah. like he'd broken every bone in his entire body. By he, got he was... some. He, he came got... down. He might have broke one of the cruises he was carrying. <laughs> he
2: uh, he got pretty high and he came down pretty hard. But
0: uh, well, a brain explosion from Lazarus. Uh, he kicked. The ball dead, gave the Storm a seven-tackle set. They charged down the field, got a repeat set, and st- Storm scored to win the game. Mm.
2: So. Yeah. And Roosters must have thought they were pretty sure of it because they'd gone for the drop goal and got, yeah. Yeah. got that extra little lead. That's right,
0: yeah. Seven minutes to go, they put one over the yeah. middle.
1: Yeah, I thought they actually would have called Pierce's kicking that field goal ah. because it's, it was Kiri, but yeah. <laughs> they normally call it <laughs>
2: So how did Pierce play, Stewie? How's uh, how he, how he I, tracking I, at the I moment? Think, I think he was
1: there. I think I saw him touch the ball a couple of times. He did nothing. He got
2: three M points. Really? No, no. no. <laughs> I'm joking.
0: I was about to say really, because yeah. <laughs> for once I'm actually with Stuart because yeah. I was watching this game yeah. and I was like, is Mitchell Pearce playing? Because yeah. I could see Kier and yeah. Jake Friend. I thought Friend had a fantastic yeah. game, first game back after injury. Mm. And I did think, where's Mitchell Pearce? Because
1: yeah. <laughs> it, it was a hard, close game, so he just vanishes.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> and I thought there was one in- interesting thing where the, um, there was a, a ruling that went against the Storm. Roosters knocked on, the Storm picked it up. And later picked it up and ran up the sideline, gave it to uh, to Adocaro, who scored. Yeah. They came back and ruled that the a the Shepherd Slater had run behind Aye. somebody, and uh, of course it should have came back for the original knock-on. The referee made a mistake, and Cameron argued with the referee for something like five minutes. Yeah. Somebody put it on Twitter: "Hey, NRL, why is Cameron Smith allowed to argue with the referee? Why can't he be charged for dissent?" Everyone: "Yeah," I said. It's okay, the ref's facing a $10,000 fine for complaining about Cam's ruling.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I saw him still arguing something after the game was over, and they won.
1: Yeah, but it, it was an absolutely disgraceful decision by the referee. He's just had a total blackout.
4: Yeah.
0: Maybe Cameron Smith should go into refereeing once he hangs up his boots instead of oh, commentary.
1: I, I think he'd, uh, he'd do well. He's got he a lot of He sounds like he knows the rules. That's right. <laughs> 350.
0: <laughs> there,
2: 352 or Like a duck days. to water.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and in the last game, the Panthers took on the Cowboys at home. Oh, boy. The Cowboys can't win a trick in regards to injury. Oh, Justin think- O'Neill dislocates his elbow. To dislocate your elbow, I'm telling you, you need to break it as well. I tell and then you the what, was ugly. Did you uh, see the footage of that?
2: No, I've actually, I try not to
1: I've, actually, I've actually done it. Oh. Left elbow.
0: It hurts. It does oh. hurt a lot. It's oh. a very... Very solid, well-structured joint. It's a hinge joint and to pull that apart. ah! Worst
1: pain I've ever been in in my life.
0: Well, add insult to injury there. The sight of Michael Morgan trudging off would have been hard for the (laughs) fans not to lose He
2: was in La La Land.
1: As, and uh, I'll give it to the Cowboys They They've, were incredibly brave They uh, they fought on and fought on They were absolutely exhausted yep. And they hung on and hung on and hung well, on They and had hung no one on left and, uh, on
0: their bench yeah.
2: Tell uh, you what, Olo, how good is he?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, against the tired defence He he found some room to move And yeah. uh, he was unstoppable yeah. uh, I thought Moylan <clears throat> played brilliantly And he's really starting to step up Yeah. Now, he very positive tall.
2: signs for New South Wales Because we talk about it each mm-hmm. week and we, we're almost like expecting him to come back down to earth. Yeah. But he keeps on doing the job for the uh, Panthers.
0: And he continues... A couple of tries
2: again to win the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. He continues to grow as a playmaker too. Mm. Not just... And, he, and you're right, he takes on the line and he scores a lot of tries. That's six straight for the Panthers, and I think that's a lot to do with Nathan Cleary. Yeah, they had
1: some pressure on him. They had to win after St George's win. Yeah. Because if they finish level St George, that's you're right. going to beat them into the eight. on, on Well, the that's yeah. that's against.
2: six home wins in a row. Mm. They're the sort of numbers you need now at this stage of the season to to be pushing through. But with Moylan out, in and out of recent times, Cleary's had to take the lead role there, and mm. he's done a great job. Yeah.
1: There's no doubt about that.
0: I think the Cowboys also did a great job with what they had to play with. So, yeah. you know, my hat goes off to them. I don't think the Panthers were overly convincing in that win. It was until the last couple of minutes that they scored that try to yeah. take it out well, of they, doubt. They threw everything The Cowboys were hanging on and hanging yeah. on and hanging on. So credit to them. But, yeah, six straight for the Panthers there and... They're one of the teams in form, and as you said, Stu, they're just hanging on to that um, eighth spot. Actually, they've moved up to sixth, I think. Yeah, after, the, yeah, after that taken
1: move. North Queensland spot. Yeah, North Queensland obviously
0: yeah. losing to them, and they, they've they leapfrogged them into sixth spot on yeah, the ladder. Sixth.
2: I worry about the, the Cowboys now.
0: Mm. Morgan's yeah. concussion,
2: that's that's a two-week job, I reckon.
0: Oh, and Neil won't be back.
2: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, he's gone. No, it's all over,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Thurston will come back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. A few other players picked up some injuries. Lachlan yeah. Coote, I think, would have gone off had he um, yeah. had some players to take his spot. And they
2: were out with uh, Martin. They they didn't have Martin as well, who's been playing in the halves for yeah. them, who's yeah. a former Penrith player. So they're down on troops, Certainly. The, the poor Cowboys. But anyway. oh, yeah.
0: The poor Cowboys, they're limping over the line. A few of the other teams are storming over the line. We've got Panthers in red-hot form have to say the Knights are in some pretty good form three in a row. So we look forward to the remaining games on today with the Warriors up against the Raiders. Tipping the Raiders there, boys. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Warriors couldn't beat time with a the stick.
0: They are at home.
2: Mm. Yeah. Warriors need to come up with something, surely. Mark Gasnier picked Newcastle to beat Parramatta. Who would have picked that? Who would have picked <laughs> Not that? Not this little black duck. Yeah, so, you know.
0: Anything yeah. can happen. Are yeah. warriors, is, where's that game? That's at Warrior Land. Uh, Jeez, otherwise known as Northland. Over the Dutch.
2: It's not likely, but you, you'd like, like to pick that one as a roughie. And
0: yeah. the other game, the West Tigers, the cellar dwellers, the wooden spoon current owners, the Knights have taken over. The West Tigers are taking on the Sea Eagles. Uh, got to tip the Eagles there. I,
1: well, I have. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Return yeah. to form after... A couple of bad weeks. Last week was a a very good victory to them. You'd think Mm, so. You'd think so. They've been a pretty
0: good team most of the year. Who knows? I'm just excited to see the Knights off the bottom of the ladder.
1: (laughs) Go boys. As my daughter is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not even a Knights supporter. I do want to very quickly mention during the week that it marked 100 days on Tuesday until the Women's Rugby League World Cup kicks off and they mark the occasion with a number of the Gillaroo's running around Cronulla Beach, which was um, good to see. They're on Cronulla Beach because the tournament will be played largely at Shark Park with the final up in Brisbane alongside the men's. It's the first time the women have a standalone tournament and will run from November 16 to 26. And I think, Stu, we're trying to catch up and arrange with Maddie Studden, a Gillaroo who's been selected in the 40-member squad who was a winning member of the New South Wales Interstate Challenge team player. We're going to have a chat with her. Yeah, we'll see if we
1: can catch up with her during the week and record an interview and um, play it on next week's show. We'll see how we go. She's a very busy girl with the training and she's working down the Port Botany. Oh, she's an incredibly
0: busy, busy girl. Yeah. As I said, the 40-member the squad was announced. There are 19 from New South Wales and 16 from Queensland and a few smatterings from around the uh, Australia. So I look forward to it. I think I might get out there and watch a few games down at Shark Park. Well, the
1: tickets are cheap. It's uh, just $10 per, uh, for adults per match day. Juniors and 15-unders uh, it's free.
0: Yeah, get your family out there. Beautiful, sitting in the sun. Wave
1: my uh, gold senior's card around.
0: (laughs) The girls hit hard, so it will be a spectacular sight to see.
4: (laughs) Utah is coming. Here's the blue bags humming.
0: Home yesterday at Henson Park up against the second placed Penrith Panthers and unfortunately have gone down forty six to ten. Talking us through the game from the Newtown Jets, Stu McCarthy joins us. Good morning.
5: Oh, hi guys, how are you going, Lisa? I can hear the trepidation in your voice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I look. I was uh, driving in my car and I did hear the ABC give out the result and I thought,
5: oh no. Yeah, no, it was a pretty ordinary day at the office. Unfortunately. When you're down on troops like we are, um, mm. you've really got to be tidy in every aspect of the game. And for the first 23 minutes, we kind of were. And um, scored the first try on the back of a couple of Penrith errors. You felt it was 6 all, But then, unfortunately, when you start to make kind of basic errors and not respect the appeal and invite a team with the quality across the park that the Panthers have, it, it quickly turned pear-shaped. And that was the theme for most of the rest of the game. I mean, they scored three tries very late in the, the first half which kind of really broke our back. So, you know, it was 22-6 at half time. Greg was Madison was irate. Again, just, you know, as some of our senior players were, were guilty of kind of letting the side down as well. You know, just dumb, stupid errors. Scored the first try in the second half, but it got back to twenty-two-ten. 10 But that was about the only joy for the rest of the day. And, and, and unfortunately, our defence fell apart at the end of the game and the score blew out. So, yeah... Really, really to attack this morning. Not really, kind of anything more to more that we can add, other than you know we've just got to keep battling away, and we've got to do our the things that we do and can control a lot mm. better than what we did yesterday.
0: Can have you had a tougher season in regards in you know terms of your troops being injured and and having players play up? If you have you had a tougher season?
5: I hate, I hate to say this, but this is the worst season since two thousand and one. Mm. Um, and back in back in those days, um, yeah, we were we were a standalone. Side playing against, you know, reserve graders full of, you know, of NRL talent. Um, that was a lean year, but, um, yeah, this is this is probably the worst since then, unfortunately. So, yeah, we got to dust ourselves off and, and kind of really get back on the road again and, and try and finish the year as best we can. We've got a couple of big games, especially the North Sydney game mm. on Reunion Day that's mm. always keenly contested. But, um, yeah, it needs a bit of a rethink going into 2018, that's for sure.
0: Are you getting any players back from injury
5: and high duties you know we had um, yesterday we had Dan and Clydesdale, Joseph Paulo uh, Edric Lee Kurt Dillon um, I've forgotten someone which is disappointing which I <laughs> really can't think of it at the moment there was, a, there was, a, there was, a, there was at least five um, Jimmy Jollis is a technically a Cronulla player as well but you know again we've got yeah, we've got patched up halves who are trying you know Joseph and Kurt are doing their best Kurt Carr but you know we don't you know, our kicking game is leaving a fair bit to be desired because we don't have a lot of options, and you know the rugby league in the in, in 2017. If you don't have a decent kicking game, it really sets you on the back foot. So yeah, it's it's, it's just one of those things. I mean, Edrick Lee pulled off an absolute and try-saving tackle yesterday, which was probably the highlight of the day. He chased uh, Liam Coleman down his Craig Coleman son, the five-eight and a handy player. So I did get mm-hmm. to see that um, that particular episode, and yeah, you can't fault their effort. But, you know, when their execution's that bad, the effort's not really kind of making up for it. So, uh, And, again, you know, the Sharks, the Sharks have had a lot of injuries this year mm. compared to, you know, last year. And, you know, that kind of filters down as well. And, you know, we've had a lot of injuries, and, and we probably started from a lower base this season in terms of, you know, quality of our, our squad. So, yeah, looking to try and make amends next week against Mounties because there's, there's still two home games to go. And, um you know, the Henson Park baseball still keeps turning up. So, yeah, we, we want to give them something to
1: cheer about in the last two games. Oh, so is that Leon Coleman? Is he as cheeky as his dad?
5: Yeah, yeah, I saw Craig yeah, yesterday with Cole Murphy, actually, which was fantastic oh, yeah. to see Cole there and uh, had a bit of a chat. He's Yeah, he's a good man, tugger Yeah, um, I, I used to referee so, him when yeah,
1: he was I, a young bloke at Waterloo.
5: Yeah, right. He okay. was a Could cheeky up, little bugger. Yeah. So he, said, he certainly had bragging rights, rights over Cole Murphy <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, uh, you know, I saw Cole when he was leaving. He wasn't a happy camper, which is understandable because it was a disappointing performance from Newtown.
0: So, where what, what, to from here in the off season? Do you just look at recruiting, or?
5: Oh, most definitely, Lisa. We've got to, pro, you know, we've got to up the ante in terms of our own signings. I'd say for next year. So, as a club, we've got to look to see how we can, you know, kind of allocate more revenue kind of in that particular area and be a bit more aggressive in the player market. That said, it's a really, it's going to be a really interesting off-season next year because, again, everyone's still confused as to the exact make of the salary cap, how mm. the CBA is going to end up. It doesn't look like it's going to get finalised till after the season. Then there's new territory next year in terms of all the NRL squads will, will be a top 30, and six rookie contracts, and they might be under-20s, they might be young players, but the really dumb thing from my perspective is any players outside of those top 36 cannot play NRL in that given season unless there's the, the, the circumstances are so extenuating that you know, they've got the, the, the NRL club's tried every player in every position that they can before you can bring someone in. So I think a lot of the NRL clubs will hold a couple of spots back deliberately to see how that, that unfolds. And while there's not a lot of players outside of the top 36 that actually probably play NRL in any given season, if you cut off that aspirational aspect of those guys, it's really difficult for just you know to tell them to be motivated every week when, hey, basically you've got no chance of playing NRL this year. So this mm-hmm. is just a, a 22-game job interview for next season. Um, And there's a lot of talk about pathways all the way from under-16s, you know, up to the NRL, but there's a real stonewall that's been put up at the second tier to stop players progressing any further in a a given season. And um, That's certainly going to kind of um, make it interesting when you're kind of trying to sign players as a second tier side. Mm. Um, You're basically telling them, hey, yeah, we're aligned with the Sharks or whoever it might be, but... Basically, you got no chance of actually playing in RL in that given year, because um, all the guys dream. You know that's why yeah. they play at this level. They are all aspiring to get. You know, apart from the guys that might be at the back end of their career that just want to, yeah. you know, c- continue to play football. But you know, this is about an opportunity to get to the highest level that you can. So any hindrances to that, you know, I, I don't think are necessarily a good thing. So wow. um, it, yeah, long winded answer to the question. But yeah, it, <laughs> we've got to be active in the player market, but it's really going to be a case of giving everyone the opportunity to get a full-time gig. And if they start falling out of those cracks, then kind of making sure that they know that we're there and, and in a position to, to give them a solid foundation at, and a good year of football at, you know, at, at Anson Park and, and playing for Australia's oldest Club. And they comply their trade and hopefully you know, make themselves known for the following season. So mm. that's universal across all the clubs. But, yeah, it, it certainly adds another degree of difficulty so when you're
0: trying to plan for next year. Oh, it's, it sounds like there's plenty to consider uh, in the off-season and a bit of work to do there. Fingers crossed for the final two games coming up for you guys and uh, we'll catch you next week, Stu, and, and hopefully chat about a win.
5: Yeah, sounds good, guys. Have a great day. Enjoy the beautiful weather that uh, keeps on keeping on at this yeah.
0: point. So. Terrific. All right, Stu. See you, Stu. Catch you, Stu. Okay,
5: thanks, you guys. La. Bye. You
0: are listening to the Sunday Sports Wrap. <laughs>
4: Still alive.
0: September 10, the Brighton Beach Dash will be on. It's the 10th anniversary of the Beach Dash, which aims to raise money for the St George and Sutherland Medical Research Foundation. Their aim this year is to raise $20,000 to support research into multiple problems in women associated with pregnancy. There's a 10K run, a 5K run and a 2K race for those not wishing to tackle the big one. And joining us on the line to talk a little bit about how we can best prepare for the Brighton Beach Dash is Damon Bray. Good morning. Good morning. How are we? Oh, we're... Well, we're not... Well, I was going to say we're fighting fit, but that'd be a lie because I'm not sure many of us are very fit. Oh, I
2: think compared to Damon, I think we're probably a little (laughs) bit down.
0: I think we need some help from Damon. (laughs) He's the owner of Running Movement. Damon, if I were to register for the Brighton Beach Dash today give me some tips about how I might best prepare
3: well I mean look the great news is uh, it's warming up so it's a little bit easier to get out of bed these days um, which which is a big plus so we're four weeks away so what you want to think about is equipment is very very important so um, you want to make sure that you check your running shoes the, the tools of our trade, our feet, uh, are obviously very, very important. So, you might want to check out your running shoes. And a lot of people are probably sort of opening the cupboard and going to the uh, the very bottom or the very end of their cupboard and dusting off the running shoes that may have been there for. Uh, they could be there, could have been there for about twelve months since the last Brighton uh, big <laughs> dust. So, so have a, have a check of your shoes. Make sure that that they uh, that they're still nice. And Supportive, and you can even um, there's quite a few sort of local running shops that you can probably take the shoes into, and they'll they'll kindly uh, check them out for you. I think um, one of the sponsors this year is, is Renaula, which is down at down at Cronulla. So I know Sean and Jenny well that own Renaula. So um, take your shoes down there, and and Sean and Jenny will have a look at at them for you and, and give you the okay. So also, you know, um, you want to do a couple of uh, a couple of training runs, and it's really important to. To wear what you're going to on race day before you actually race because chafing is not a good thing. As we all know, <laughs> uh, I hear. You. You know. <laughs> so um, yeah, look, a lot of a, a lot of uh, a lot of beginner runners, you know, they go out sort of the day before, a couple of days before, and buy some bright new outfits for their first sort of 10k and and um, and sort of 8k into it. Um, the chafing <laughs> happens, so you want to make sure that you've got your race. Your race shoes picked out you know your shorts in your top picked out and you run in them at least a couple of times before September 10th just to make sure that um, that you are going to be comfortable on race day so yeah there's a couple of a uh, couple of tips for you
0: now Damon I was told once that a, a runner should change their shoes every 1,000 kilometers fact or fiction
3: well do you know it's um, I've heard everything from about 500 through to uh, to a 1,000, I mean, these days it really depends on what sort of running you're doing. People are doing a lot of running on trails now, which obviously wears your shoes out a lot quicker than if you were just running out on the road. It depends also on the type of runner that you are. I mean, someone... (laughs) Very slow. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, So, I mean, usually a slower runner, their feet will spend a lot more time Hitting the ground, whereas uh, a quicker and a and a somewhat lighter runner, Mm -hmm. the shoes and feet spend less time on the ground. So, so those sort of people can usually get, you know, a a bit more out of out of shoes these days. So, um, I wouldn't say a thousand k. I think to be safe, you're probably better at about you know six hundred, possibly seven hundred. You know, it's you're better off sort of being on the side of caution and and going in early before they start hurting. Um, Usually, if you start thinking about, do I need some new shoes, it's definitely time for new shoes.
2: My my wife tends to go, not by kilometres, but by smell.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. I haven't got got an odometer (laughs) on my shoes anyway.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I I thought you were going to say, usually, I mean, my wife, has no problems buying new shoes, but they're not running shoes. High yeah. like, yeah, you know, yes. heel shoes and things like that.
4: Now,
2: Damon, what do you think about things like Fitbits? Are they good for inspiration, or do you think they're just yeah? Uh, look, yep.
3: Oh, I think I think um, anything that gets people you know out, out running is, is a fantastic thing, and and you know Fitbits have done fantastic for um, you know for for people that have ever never exercised before. You know it's this. I think it's 10,000 steps today. seems to be a really big goal that people are you know, are, are trying to reach each day. It's quite big in corporate world as well. I think they have a lot of corporate challenges and they hand out Fitbit. So, yeah, um, yeah you know, I, I think anything that gets people out, you know, gets kids out, as I said, it gets people out is a wonderful thing. I mean, you, you know, there's some GPS watches now that, you know, you can buy for about $1,000 and, I mean, one that I've got on now, it's it sort of, it tells me when there's a storm coming, uh, so they, so some watches can do some some wonderful things. But just something that can count steps and even tell you the time of day. You yeah. know, I mean, it's uh, you know, yeah, I think I think they they're fantastic.
0: Oh, I think you're 100 percent right. Anything that will get people moving in our very sedentary um, nation, I think, is a very good thing. Will we be seeing you, da- Damon, down there running in the Brighton Beach Dash?
3: Um, I don't think I'll be running myself. I've got quite a few runners down there. I'll probably I'll probably have about probably forty or fifty runners down there.
2: Right. Um, the people that you coach?
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So hopefully, um, a couple of those runners, you know, might end up at, at the pointy end and not on, on the podium. So they're they're really looking forward to it. It's know, it's, it is a great run for for the beginner runner because it's it's, it's nice and flat. It, it certainly and, is. Uh, it's a um, great and, fast and run, especially. Yeah, it's a nice quick 10, 10 and five k, and 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 it's a beautiful. I mean, you guys know the area, and most people know the area. It's it's, it's beautiful down there. Yeah, so
1: it's um, some good weather over the years for it. It's been fantastic.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, I, people get very excited about that big fun run that's happening today in in the city. I mean, that's the second most famous fun run beside the beachside dash, of course, yeah. <laughs> the city to surf thing. But you know, I don't, I don't really fancy running with 80,000 people. I'd rather run with uh, closer to 1,000 people um, locally, 10,000 uh, you know, 10k nice sausage sizzle afterwards and uh, you can sort of, it'll probably be warm enough to even have it, a have it dip in the, in the bay down there.
0: Mm, don't know about that. Oh, well, the way we're mm-hmm. going. Anyway <laughs> Alright, well we look forward to September 10th down at Brighton Thanks much for your time this morning Damon, but we might catch up with you a little closer to the event as well. No problem, hope your training's going well no. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, we're training behind the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Damon, we will catch you a bit later. Have a great day. You See too. You, See you. See you later. That was Damon Bray from The Running Movement, a bit of a runner, fitness guru that's giving us a few tips as we head towards the Brighton Beach Dash, which, as I said, was on su- Sunday, September 10, starting at Peter de Pina Park at San Susie, with the 10K race commencing at 7.30am.
1: And we'll be down there doing our show live.
0: We will, outside broadcast.
1: Come and
2: meet us in person.
0: All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a cracker of a week. Stay safe, join us next week. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.